You're listening to the Tube Life Podcast with Patrick and Alex. We're here to learn from other creators and entrepreneurs how to become better creators ourselves, and we want to take you on our journey with us to be inspired and to help you achieve your own goals. Thank you for joining us on our journey into the Tube Life. Hello and welcome to today's episode, and we're super excited, guys, to have this guest here with us today. He's a prolific content creator with nearly 50 million views on YouTube and approaching half a million subscribers. By the time we finish recording this, he might be there already. Uh, he knows a thing or two about tech and he helps people and his, his viewers buying nice gear so that they don't have to buy it twice. Sagi from Tech Gear Talk on YouTube. It's great to have you here. How are you? I'm doing great. And thank you so much for having me on. I'm, I'm super excited to sit here. It's Friday afternoon. Hey. We're going to start chopping it up. <laughs> uh, Sagi, for those two or three people out there who don't know you, uh, give us a little bit about your channel, your YouTube uh, channel, and what it is about. Uh, so the channel is called Tech Gear Talk. Um, it f- focuses on consumer electronics. Uh, I started out with a lot of camera and video gear, and now about a year and a half ago, started migrating over to some more handheld devices, tablets, phones, laptops, um, and and I'm looking to expand in the future. Awesome. So Alex already alluded to it uh, in the beginning in his introduction. You have this mantra where you say, buy it nice or buy it yeah. twice. And I love it. I live by it. But uh, for the people that are unfamiliar with it, can you talk a little bit about it? Like, what does it mean to you? And how did it come about that you use it for your channel? All right. So buy it nice or buy it twice is something that I've like literally lived by for years. Because what would happen is I would be looking at two products and, and this one would cost X amount and the other one would be like a little bit more. Right. And then I'm going back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And the worst thing that could happen is that you buy the less expensive one and then have to buy the more expensive one because now you paid even more for the more expensive one. Now, it's not saying that you should always buy the more expensive one. You should buy the one that's right for you. But that sort of idea, would that happened to me and I'm like, oh, now I paid so much more for the one I should have gotten in the beginning that that sort of drives my decision making process about a product. And honestly, to the point where if I know something is what I need and I can't afford it, I'm just not going to buy anything. I'm just going to wait until I can buy the thing that I know will serve me best for the long term. That'll be the best value and get it and then have it. So that's it in a nutshell. That's it. You, you mentioned time as well, right? The time that you spend pondering about whether you should get something or not or wait. Yeah. That that costs money as well, right? It, it ends up waiting sometimes costs as well. That's true. Um and it's funny, my my wife actually converted me from that uh, because I was just told the story earlier today, but I was looking for a new basketball hoop for the backyard. And I'm looking at this one and that one. And I don't remember the price difference. And it's like a month of research and watching <laughs> reviews. And she's like, you could have bought both of them <laughs> and just done work for the amount of time that it took you to like do all this research and you would have been fine. But you know, some of that is the fun, like, obviously, like, I love the like the fun of doing research. But yes, the time is a huge thing. And that sort of, like, I sort of look at that even in gear, like the one thing, if a piece of gear will save me time, it's very, it's going to be very challenging for it to be out of price range, because I really will look at it and go, okay, so it doesn't matter. Let's say it's a tripod. 
and instead of one tripod, I now have two. But it means that I don't ever have to move my main camera. And if I do end up having to move it, then, then every time I wanna film, it's an extra 15 minutes, like getting the framing to be just right or a half an hour. So then I think, okay, so you do two or three videos a week for a year, for two years. How long does it take for you to make that up in time? And it's not even just time, it's friction too in that particular context because Gosh, yeah. it means you can't sit down and record. So now when you can't get the angle, you're getting a little frustrated. So it's all those little pieces while you're making content that it's like, that's the kind of stuff that I think investing in really is worth it. That's such a great point. Sometimes you're, you're inspired to, to do exactly that, just sit down and record, right? And if you have to spend 20 minutes setting up, it's, you know, that, that moment is gone almost. And yeah, no, that's a great point. And, and it's a barrier to entry too, because if you only have a half an hour and you're saying, okay, it's gonna, uh, okay so it's gonna take me 20 minutes to record and 10 minutes to set up, ah, you know what, it's, a, it's too close, I'm not gonna do it. Um, and in my own life, it's to the point where I set the, like it used to take me about two to three hours to set up. If I had to move my setup, and now I have this set up all the time and it's in a super inconvenient place. It's like literally in the middle of my office. And I have to like walk through here all the time, but there's no question that it was the right move. Um, so okay. it's like, you know, always give and take. So uh, if we could just take a step back, we're talking a lot about gear here and of course uh, how it you know makes things easier and you can you know get quicker about it. But I think a lot of our um, our listeners are also starting a YouTube channel or maybe even thinking about starting one. And uh, you know, I do need to ask the cliche question, well, how do you feel about gear? Does it matter or does it not matter when you're starting? It definitely matters, but again, not in the way that most people that I talk to think it matters. So first of all, I would say like your average person who, because I know that was the focus of the channel, the average person would spend 90% of their time asking me questions about a camera. They would then spend like 8% of their time asking me questions about lenses, and then maybe 1% about audio and lighting. And, and as I'm, I, I can tell, because I can see your feeds, you we would go about it the other way now you know you need good lighting like if you don't have good lighting i don't care what camera you have it's fine like you won't have noise but it's not gonna look good <laughs> if you don't have good audio i don't care what kind of camera you have like i've never turned a video away because it was 1080p instead of 4k but if you have like horrible audio and i'm hearing background and or whatever it is that's gonna make me switch to another video then we know your lens matters the body, I mean, it matters, but it's, right? So in that way, now, okay. So that's to say that it does matter maybe in, in, a, in a different order. I do think that like some features are binary for me. So just a quick history of my gear when I started. I started with a 5D Mark II, and then I added a 5D Mark III. So a binary feature for me was the Canon couldn't record for more than 30 minutes. And that was super frustrating. And on top of that, those cameras didn't have continuous autofocus. So that's, I mean, I feel like it's its all like a, a big circle, but now in order to set up a shot, I have to go and like stack up some things so I can set the manual focus so that I can walk back over here. And then I need to have a timer set for 30 minutes because the cameras shut off and they wouldn't make a noise. They would just stop. Oh, so my next move, I went from those cameras to buying two C100 Mark IIs. Wow. 
And I did not buy those. So here's where I say it doesn't matter. I did not buy those because I wanted C-Log or I want anything like that or for any other feature. I wanted unlimited recording. I love the fact that it has a very, like an ND filter built in, but I wanted unlimited recording. I wanted to be able to connect an XLR mic right into it and it comes with an AC adapter so I can have it on forever. So it was those like real practical reasons, not so much like, better dynamic range or any of the those types of things that I feel like sometimes people go down this rabbit hole mm. uh, and focus on those and think that those things will matter in terms of making their videos better. So I hope that makes sense. No, it totally does. For about a year uh, in, in, these, in this YouTube content creation, yeah, I did the opposite of that and bought just mm. above the, the, the cheapest and ended up having to buy again because you're right. There, there were limits, not just in in functions, but also in quality. Right? That there's you're definitely cutting cutting up on on quality, and, and your viewers are going to notice it. Yeah, and it also depends like what field you're in, right? Because if you're going to cover if you're going to cover photography and video gear, then your viewers are going to have a certain expectation. But but that's sort of like proof of concept in what you're doing. Hmm. If someone's sitting there talking about, I don't know, crypto or something, yes, the better production value adds, but as long as this is not really actually taken away from it, it probably matters less because they, right, they're not there telling you how to, they're not, that's not what they're talking about. Um, so, and I, and I feel like the bar is constantly mm. being raised on YouTube in terms yeah. of production value. And Definitely. just to, uh, to uh, piggyback on that, because we see that your, uh, uh, your, your production quality just goes up and up and up uh, as you go. And um, I was wondering, can you tell us some of the things you do to, to improve that production quality? Uh, so how do, you, how do you constantly improve what you're doing and make it look even better, make it sound even better? Uh, are there other things you do to improve your videos besides audio and video? So first, thank you. Um, I think that, like this, is, this might sound really silly, but I think... The, the, then you hear this advice, like it's some of it just comes down to doing more, like just literally doing more videos, not more than you're doing right now, but like having to go through and be on camera for 100 videos or 200 videos and film and edit 200 videos so that when you're editing your videos, you go, you know, I really should have had this shot for this part and I didn't have it. But now when I make the next video about a similar product, I'm like, oh, I have that knowledge from myself. It's not even like something you're going to learn from someone else. But you're like, okay, I've gone through this process so many times. And it also like adds efficiencies because now ahead of time, you know, here's a list of shots. Like I work with a list of shots. I don't I don't know if you, if you guys Same. do. But if I'm going to do a review, I have a long list. I'm still not going to get everything I need. But I have a long list that I know I need before I even start. Um and then I sort of update that list. So if I'm reviewing a mouse and, and I didn't have this one certain thing, I'm just going to add it to the list. When I review the next mouse, it's, it's already on mm -hmm. there. Um, so for me, a lot of it is just doing the thing over and over again. It's then also looking at your analytics and seeing like what people are responding to. And, and, and then sort of uh, incorporating what you're learning and trying like new things where I, I, I've not like 
completely change the format of my videos, but I like would make subtle changes and see, okay, this works. Oh, they don't like when I do this. They do like when I do that. Like, for example, I don't ask people to subscribe in the way that I used to. Um, because when I look at my retention graph, they're like, yeah, we're skipping that part, Sagi. We don't care. And you talked a little bit about the process there, um, you know, with the uh, the outlining the, the shots and everything. So if you sort of – can you take us through your process from beginning to finish uh, when you come up with a video idea until, uh, you know, uploading basically? Okay. Um, so I'll come up – well, whatever, some video idea. And I'll start doing a, a research for it. So – a lot of times I'll either write a full script and or I'll write bullets or some parts will be scripted and some parts will be bullets. And when I have a script, it's not even necessarily that I'm going to go and read my script. It's that the process of writing the script allows me to organize the information in the way that I want to present it. So whether I actually say it ever word for word, it doesn't matter because I've already written it and read through it and said it out loud to myself. Uh, and I don't know if you do this, if you work with a script and you mm. need to read it out loud. Definitely. Not read it to yourself. Yeah. Say it out loud because then, right, you don't say it the same way you read it. Um, I will shoot some of my B-roll ahead of time, some after, depending. That part sort of depends on what the product is. I use, uh, not, I'm using four cameras for my setup. So record that, go to edit, Chop it all up, drop B-roll in, see all the B-roll that I'm missing, go shoot it, put it back in there. <laughs> and uh, and then, you know, work on the title and the thumbnail, obviously. Um, now, sometimes I have an idea for a thumbnail ahead of time. Sometimes I don't. Um, the title, I pretty much always have ahead of time. And um, yeah, that's basically it. Unless, like, I don't know if I missed anything there. How important is a thumbnail to you? It's so important. How it's it, so important. Is it more important than a title? Yes, of course. That's not, yeah, 100%. Like, no one's reading your title if they didn't stop to look at your thumbnail. So, right, so if they're, like, scrolling up and they, they, they didn't even get a chance. So I feel like um, like your thumbnail will should make them stop scrolling or, like, pause if they're on a desktop for a second to even evaluate your title. And then your title will actually be in my case, the decision maker. Now, for some people, like, like if you make, um, like my content is not edgy or uh, like I could see a thumbnail like Mr. Beast already convincing someone to click on it. Like they're like, it's cool, whatever it is. It's it's like, yeah, I want to see what happens. My content is, is not that interesting in that way. Um, so the title probably helps. Um, but yes, I, I think that, I think the thumbnail is more important than the title. Brilliant. Yeah, it's clear. I, yeah. What do you think? You know, I think you're right. Um, but I think that's something I need to work on. Because for me, you know, th I, I know it's wrong what I'm doing. But uh, for me, the thumbnail is always an afterthought. You know, in the last few videos, I even used the screen grab out of my video, which is horrible. And, you know, it, the thing is, you can get away with it because it's 4K. It's very crisp. So you can do yeah. it. But it's not the way to go, and I know this. But for some reason, I always fixate on the video, and then I'm like, shoot, I need to do a thumbnail at the last minute. Okay, but even so, then you should – I mean, this is just my advice. I would still stage a, a custom thumbnail because you did all this work. You spent all this time like making this like masterpiece of a video, 
And then it's like you have this book. And then on the cover, you're like, ah, here. And then when people are looking at like a bookshelf with books, they don't know how good it is. Like you need, you like, you got to get them to like come in. Cause all you need, right. All you need is like a chance. Like if they don't click, you've never had a chance. Mm -hmm. So you got to get that person to say, okay, I don't know. Like that's pretty. Or it looks like work was like, it's more intentional, more professional. So yes, I think, I think thumbnails are still underrated. Now I'm going to start stalking your channel and be like, let's change this thumbnail. Yeah, no. Uh, <laughs> Honestly, your your thumbnails oh, are amazing, thanks. and and you know what you said is, I think consistent mm. look as well is yeah. important, right? Because yes, you want to get the click for that one video, but next time you you you, you upload again, you, you want to trigger yes. that memory, right? So right, that was a good video, yeah. and you yes. recognize the thumbnail, and I think that's another area that I try to use the same font and the similar color scheme, but like Patrick, is usually. As the video is uploading, I'm like, I'm running around like a headless chicken trying to get get so a good shot of it. Or something. When I used yeah. to use, because I used to use shots from the video, but from but I would use shots from B-roll. So at least when I was shooting sure. B-roll, I would be like, "That's the thumbnail." Yeah, this one I'm I'm gonna use thumb. Uh, this will be part of the thumb because a lot of times it comes to framing, and then you're like, "Well, where am I gonna put the text?" And and your your the, the the thing is in the center, and now you don't like, but you need it on the right or you need it on the left. So even if you just did that for a second, like you might want to shoot your B roll a certain way, but your thumbnail you need framed differently, and you just move it, whatever, get out of it for a few mm-hmm. seconds, and that's that's uh, like another way to sort of shortcut that. Cool. But I sort of think it's like a like a like an injustice to the video because so much work went into it, right? That it should be like. No, I like if it's not ready, like I'll post it tomorrow, but mm. I'm going to go get a good thumbnail. Yeah, you're then, totally right. Because then you're leaving it, right? Like that thumbnail stays there forever. Yeah. So like that one more day that you would have waited and now forever it has a thumbnail that's not as good as it could be. Yeah. You can change it, right? I do that sometimes. But do, Okay, so that's <laughs> but, fine. But it, you know, it. I, I haven't had any success changing thumbnails. So you're probably right that it, the first one counts. I'm trying to think if I change very rarely. Mm. Um, yeah. Just okay. get it right. Yeah, well, get yes. it right first time. Uh, but yeah, it's a great analogy as well about the book because it, yeah. it just, yeah, makes you think. <laughs> we should, it's should true though. Them. I mean, th- there's a couple of people that are that in our niche that stand out that have a really distinct uh, style. Yours, obviously. Uh, Gary, the everyday dad, are very recognizable. And there's Tom Buck who we had on the show a couple episodes mm-hmm. ago. You cannot not see that it his it's it's his so um that's something that that is to be aspired because i'm still you know figuring out what what is my look what am i supposed i mean the color scheme fine but i'm still not there you know mm. and there's a work yeah, to be done because and alex i think you brought it up first and and, and and patrick you're absolutely right because ultimately unless you're in the thumbnail presumably they don't know it's your video yeah. right they don't so then it is that sort of recognition like, oh, but I, I, I remember how, like that look, that's probably theirs. Um, so, yes. So I would say, yes, sort of that consistency and branding, if you can achieve it, is, is and if you look at like the history of my thumbnails, it sort of went through, like I did one style for a while and then another style and now I'm sort of, like I like where I am for now. We'll, we'll see where it goes from there. <laughs> Amazing. 
Um, and we noticed that you, you're very strategic with your content and, and it, it feels very intentional when you look, you know, from a, from a tech reviewer looking at it, I, I know exactly what's going on behind your videos. You're not just posting them by accident. Um, it, it feels to me anyway, that they are intentional and it feels like you, you, you are very tuned in to the, uh, to the seasonal aspect of, of tech, right? You're not going to post a video about the iPhone four right now. You're going to post, you know, the, the most recent release. Sure. And um, how how do you see that in terms of you know kind of a priority? How important it is for for you that um, to be that tuned in? And have you always been that strategic? Like, look, really, like releasing a video about a product right after launch. Clearly, right? Like that just sort of makes sense because the attention. Even if you look at like graphs of what people are searching for on Google, right? There's going to be a huge spike when the iPad Air 5 gets released or whatever. So that part of it is is fairly straightforward. The other thing that I really I would focus or or that I focused on in the beginning and I sort of think I I incorporated it now subconsciously is when I was so so until I had 108,000 subscribers. I replied to every comment. Every single comment that was ever left and not only did I reply to it if they replied, I would reply. I was the last person <laughs> on every comment of every video. Now, I don't necessarily recommend going to, because I was doing that for like three or four hours a day at some point, wow. like as it was getting bigger. And then I stopped. So I don't recommend going to that extreme necessarily. But if it's not overwhelming, I would do it. But what I did get out of that is a constant feed of what people were looking for. Every single day, I would read what my viewers want. I could see what they liked, but more important, I could see what they didn't like. They're like, oh, you did this 30-minute camera review, and you didn't talk about blah, blah, blah. And so sort of getting that feedback over and over, and I'm like, okay, so people are still asking for that. And that allowed me, both from a content strategy and from like refining videos, it allowed me to sort of bridge the gap like where I might have blind spots. Because I might review a camera and think like, well, no one's going to care about that or that's not necessarily that important. But then if your audience is asking that question every single time, well, are you making that video for you or are you making that video for them? Hmm. They clearly want to know. Now, sometimes my answer is that's not important, but I would still now address it in my future videos. And I would say this camera has this feature. It's not really something that matters to me because blah, 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 blah. But if you do da, 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 then maybe you want. So I feel like really getting to know your audience and listen to, because ultimately they're going to tell you, right? They sat there and watched the video. And if something was missing, they're going to say, and, and it doesn't mean you have to take every piece of feedback you get. But I feel like that super helped me. In the beginning, the reason why it triggered that memory for me is because once I reviewed a camera, I was like, well, what else do people want to know about it? And I'm like, that's what they want to know. They want to know how to shoot macro with this or what are the best wide angle lenses or how do I use it in low light? And that helped me sort of incorporate that. Awesome. So that was a really long answer. No, that's good Sorry. because it is, you know, it's not some some kind of time-based uh, planning that you go through. It's also taking taking you know usual questions and frequently asked questions that you, your viewers want to know and make those things into videos that's yeah that yeah that should be obvious <laughs> to us right but um i don't know i don't know about 
how you feel, Patrick, but I always feel a little bit all over. Right now, I've got so many videos that I want to make and they, they're not following mm. any structure whatsoever. It's just stuff that I want to make and I will make it, but it's, it's so, just not planned properly, I don't think. So question, do you have a list of videos? Yeah. Like an actual list? Yeah. Okay. And so then when you go to that list of 30, 40, 50, whatever, how many? How do you pick the next one? So it depends on my interest. If it's something, so for example, right now there's been a few new products mm-hmm. launched. Right? I've got right now the Galaxy Tab S8 Ultra sitting on my desk. I haven't opened yet, so nice. I want to make that video. Oh, but I've also got the iPad Air. Look at the restraint. The restraint. I've got a list. <laughs> I wrote down. I showed it to Patrick yesterday. There's, you know, people send you stuff, and you know, they're not necessarily gonna do well on the channel. But it's the mistakes that you've, you you make as an early. Uh, kind of starting creator you 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 say yes to too many things and you end up not mm-hmm. really focusing on what's you know what's going to do well on the channel um so it, I, I, yeah. yeah okay that's kind of where i am yes yeah, so th- th- that's actually something that we could segue into because uh you know i know alex has this issue and i have it too where um sometimes we get offers from companies that want us to review their products and, uh, you know, there are products that we like and that fit the channel, mm-hmm. at least to a certain extent. Yeah. But we, we also do them because there is a sponsorship involved and we're trying to build the channel. And for that, of course, we need a bit of, uh, of turnover to make certain things happen. Um, but, you know, for me, if I look at the YouTube algorithm, if you will, and what it wants from me, it seems to be mostly iPad stuff and some other Apple stuff, but not too much, you know, away from that. So whenever I do something that is not in that niche, I know it's not going to do that well uh, for the channel, but it could make me some money so I can invest it into the channel. And that's always a little bit of a sort of, sort of, a, yeah, I don't know, like a like a balancing act. Like, w- w- yep, you know, it's, no, it's I mean, difficult. That makes total sense. So, but look, but your YouTube cha- your YouTube channel is a business, and your business needs money. So. Sort of, if we stepped away, if this wasn't YouTube and you were running a different business, my question would be, how much do you need that money? And what's the opportunity cost that make? So essentially making that video means you're not making another video. It also might mean that you're breaking some momentum, uh, right? Because that video is going to be served to your audience. They may or may not want to watch it. Okay, fine. So... If, you, if, if the business needs the money, it needs the money. That's, that's the answer right there. Mm-hmm. Um, and if not, then I would, personally, I would sort of play a long game. I would say, I'm going to need what I need now, but I'm going to be very strategic about what I accept. And I would say that for me, the overwhelming majority has always been a no. Like if it's not right for the channel, it's not going in there. Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to s- say that I've never done it, but there are, like, you know your audience. So so here's the other way that I look at it. So a sponsor comes to you with something that isn't necessarily going to do well. So that means you're going to, even if you take their money and you do that video, now it's not performing well. Like, no one got served great. Uh, now, I would say that, the, the sponsor is probably winning no matter what because you're you're putting together like a really nice video that would cost them way more if they actually hired a company to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, but for you, again, it's a question of how much do you need it? Like I would almost do that as little as possible 
to continue to grow if if that sort of target audience is not an audience you're going after. If it's the same target audience, that's fine, obviously. But if it's like it's kind of tangential and and it's hurting your momentum, that like that's the challenging part. And it's hard it's hard to give like a concrete answer because numbers are different and it's not it's not so black and white. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Maybe uh, just moving away from that a little bit, uh, we want to talk about consistency a little bit because, you know, it, it's important. We know this and in, there isn't a podcast about two, uh, uh, YouTube where we don't talk about consistency, but you yeah. are very consistent. And so um, what we like to know is um, how do you how do you stay consistent? How do you make sure you make those videos and post them on the days you want to post them? How do you how do you keep yourself in that rhythm? So. Right now, I'm going through a little bit of of a like restructuring in, in how I do things in this end. But like last year, I was doing three videos almost every single week, and the the weeks I didn't, I was doing two videos. And to me, the first thing that it's it's like so basic that I can't believe I never did it. The first thing was literally the videos go on a calendar, and that in and of itself, that silly little step that I didn't do, means that. If I'm sitting around the house playing PUBG Mobile or something <laughs> and I see on my calendar that I have a video due in two days and I haven't shot the A-roll yet, it's that little thing where I'm like, okay, like I got to go because otherwise you don't really have a deadline because you're kind of working for yourself and nothing's going to happen if you don't publish it on a Wednesday and you publish it on a Thursday. But that you could see how the trickle down effect yeah. of that. So like literally <laughs> that silly step that I did last year made a huge difference. And to be able to like go down a calendar and see Monday, Wednesday, Friday, like it's also kind of cool. And then once you did it, you don't want to break the streak. I know it sounds really silly, <laughs> yeah. but you're like looking at it. And I'm not saying everyone needs to do three. It might be one a week, it might be one every two weeks, but you have those and you're like, okay, like that's a benchmark I'm trying to hit. So that's one thing. I think having a list, I like the fact that you guys both have a list of videos. I think that's important. I think having to come up with an idea to film at the time you're going to film is like impossible. It's very challenging. For me, it would be very challenging. I'll say that. So having a list that you can go and pull from, but sort of even doing that like ahead of time, doing the projection, even if you have the next two videos scheduled. So the topic is already picked. You're already in the mindset of knowing that those are the videos that you're going to do. It, so, it eliminates some of that friction. And what's funny is I made some of my very first videos were about like YouTube, like how to actually start on YouTube. And nobody ever watched them, obviously. And uh, But like those are the types of things that I, I was talking about that did help because what you want to do, you really want to eliminate as many starting points as possible. Right. So every time you sit down to start scripting, like script two videos, like you're already sitting there doing research and script. Like, why would you only do one? Because if you, in the beginning, I used to go necessarily like through that process that I gave you, but I just gave you all the steps. But when I sit down to do B-roll, I don't shoot B-roll of one product. I'm going to shoot B-roll of all the products that in my next two or three videos because the cameras are already out and uh, whatever. So building those types of efficiencies works only if you have those next two or three videos sort of scheduled. 
And Alex, maybe going back to your point, it sort of lets you group videos too, because if I'm going to do a dedicated review and maybe an accessories video uh, and maybe another one, like I'm trying to think back to the camera mm. days, I could do all of those and shoot all the B-roll at once uh, and it's more efficient. That's amazing. Um, I know if you're listening, you, you can't see this, but we're definitely taking notes here. This is really insightful. <laughs> um, so, so one of the things that you, you touched on there is obviously being strategic about your content and we noticed recently in the last year, I'd say that you, you started and you grew considerably until, you know, um, I don't know, f- over 400, at least a uh, thousand subscribers having, you know, at least seemingly for, from, from the outside, having two different niches, you have a camera niche, as you just kind of touched on there mm-hmm. and a niche for, for <laughs> kind of iPads and iPhones and other accessories. First of all, you know, how, how did you manage to do that? And more importantly, uh, and this is probably the, the bigger question, right? Where, where did you realize that it was time to make a switch? And in the last, I'd say, nine months, you've been consistently, at least nine months, uh, producing videos about Apple products. Okay. So it's like a, a bit of a long answer. Like from the beginning, like if you notice, I didn't name my channel Sugi's Photography and Video Channel. So the end game was always doing more consumer electronics because I just felt like, like that's a larger audience and, and it's going to let me do more in the future or potentially like tech gear talk didn't hurt the channel when I was doing photography and video gear, like nobody cared. So, but that was the vision from even before I started. And then my background is like in branding and marketing. So like I was thinking that in the beginning, um, And at the very, very beginning, I just made whatever videos, like whatever gear I had around, like some charger or whatever. I just made a video about it. And then I looked at my analytics and I saw, okay, what are people responding to? They're responding to cameras, camera and video gear reviews. So I said, okay, I'm going to focus on that. And as I did that, I could see that the channel grew and I'm like, okay, so this works. I like it. I'm interested. I think it's important for you to be interested because otherwise you'll get burned out. Um, and then after doing that, for there was a shift in my life where I actually, I didn't have a lot of time in the beginning because I was doing other things. And then at some point, I, I was able to take YouTube more seriously, or I was forced to take YouTube more seriously. <laughs> um, and um, so as I was doing more and more camera gear, I saw that the channel was growing. And I also started feeling like for myself that it was it was getting a, a, like a little repetitive and I wasn't as passionate about every video. And I was thinking, okay, I can start, like, let's start playing, like do maybe three videos about cameras and like try something else and do this and then try something else. Um, and like, I think that's fairly low risk because even if that one video doesn't do great, can fall back. like again, I wasn't doing like camera gear and then like scuba diving. <laughs> it was, you know, I, I would, I could imagine that, pretty much everyone interested in cameras probably has a phone and maybe a tablet. Right. Okay. So then I just tried it. I just tried one day and I did an iPad video and it performed well. And I was like, okay, well, let's, let's try to do a second one. I did a second one and it didn't do as well, but it did okay. And I did a third one and it didn't do as well as the second or the first, but it still did okay. And I said, all right, so I can like play in this sandbox. Um, and so then I would go back and forth a little bit. 
Um, and at some point I was thinking, okay, but I'm enjoying, I'm enjoying making this, the, these videos more. Um, I have a base of, I was, yeah, I was at over a hundred thousand when I did that. So there was a base of subscribers who were, well, not just subscribers, like subscribers, the subscriber count doesn't necessarily matter. I had a consistent viewership that were already going to watch camera videos. And I had enough of a backlog of camera videos where if you just found my channel, it would still be able to serve you like a hundred of those videos for you to watch. So it wasn't like I had 10 videos about cameras and then I shipped it. Um, so that's, that was, that was sort of the shift. And I shifted to Apple and then started adding like, I don't know what I did next. I did Samsung and, and now I'm, I'm sort of in that area where I'm thinking of where to go next. Amazing. Now it is definitely working, right? I mean, in the, in the last few months it's, it's, um, it's amazing the growth. Uh, yeah. The speed. Thanks. Yeah. I, I, I'm super happy. Like I, the community that's growing is great. Um, the feedback again, I still believe it or not. I still try to read every comment. I don't have time to reply to every comment, but I try to read as many as I can. Um, because I still, it's like crazy that you get like not crazy, but you get such valuable feedback. So, so, um, Alex just touched upon it. You grew like a, a lot between January and March, let's say Q1. Um, for a lot of people, including ourselves, that's the slump, you know, after December comes like uh, the drought uh, in mm -hmm. tech land, but you didn't seem to be too affected by it. You did really well. So um, I was going to ask you, like, to what would you uh, attribute that growth? So, well, I mean, even my channel, it was slower. January was slower. February and March weren't slow, but January was slow, um, which is it's interesting. Like, I didn't experience it last January. Last January, I was... I was doing creating so much content. Um, so I, I think there is, there is, it, 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 it's funny. It comes back to like making a lot of videos. And I feel like, like, here's why I try to do, I, I, that's not answering your question directly, but indirectly it's answering. Here's why I think three videos a week is good because I know my viewers aren't watching every video when I'm publishing them because they're just not. But it means that then the algorithm knows that it can serve those videos to this audience later. And so I feel like sort of just getting them in there and getting them in the queue would mean that when there is a lull in terms of like new, right? Because like you said, nothing's getting released in January. There's like nothing new. You can create content about stuff that was already popular previously or you can sort of do speculative content about what's coming but there's nothing major um but i feel like having that backlog of still recent content allows the algorithm to serve that to your audience and you're still getting views because i'll tell you the one number that matters to me when i evaluate the channel is that last 48 hours of real-time views that's the number that matters to me i do not focus about how any single video performs. It like it doesn't matter in the long run. If you think of if you made two videos a week, you're going to make a hundred. It doesn't matter how that one did. It does, doesn't matter how those ten did because you have so many that if you're improving and if you're putting content that's 
that people want to watch. It's just the aggregate of all those views is is what's going to matter. And sort of getting that daily number to go up was sort of is sort of like my my <clears throat> excuse me my focus, yeah. especially because I don't make viral content like in the in that way. Like you guys know yeah, what I mean. Yeah. Uh, it's like that's it's not intended to be that. It's sort of evergreen sort of this level which you no one can see because it's a podcast like my, my shapes <laughs> make it with my hand it's very useful so we'll have videos as it's well. a flat horizontal line that we're sitting <laughs> yes. here yeah um another part of this podcast you know one of the things that we want to share with with our viewers and to be honest with you ourselves as well we want to learn from from our guests is the business side you know we, we're the three of us are kind of treating youtube as a business and you said earlier how how important that is we and we totally agree with you um but obviously mm. running a business is, is very hard especially when you're starting so fr from your perspective you've got this huge channel right you've got um tech gear talk and that is the face of your business do you see right now that is still becoming or, or or kind of being the main uh, stream of revenue or do you already have other things like it might be instagram it might be i don't know other t type of kind of different arms of your business, uh, should I say, or is that gear talk it? For right now, it's definitely the focus. Like YouTube is the focus um, in sort of many ways. And I, I was actually like really late to accepting sponsors. Like I didn't really accept sponsors until like last year and, and like serious sponsorships to like the end of last year because what I didn't want is I didn't want that to derail anything that I was doing. Like I was literally putting my audience over anything. I'm like, well, I'm making enough money to eat and live. Um, and that sort of short term extra money was less important to me than building the thing I wanted to build. Right. Uh, now, like quick little history, like I started my first company when I was 23 so I've been like working for myself my whole life. Mm -hmm. um, and when I shifted into like doing YouTube as a business, like that was like when I said I had to move, like that was the move. The move before that was you're kind of doing YouTube for fun and to grow. Right. And okay, now you got to treat it as a business. And then things change because the whole decision-making process, like you're doing it for fun. Like everyone who's doing YouTube for fun, like what? don't stress out. <laughs> yeah. Don't worry about it. Just make the content that you want. But if you're going to do it as a business, now you need to treat it as a business. So again, that was why I didn't take sponsors earlier, like even fairly late, because I wanted to be able to focus. And when you do work with sponsors, which is great, like it's a significant revenue source, um, but it does change the dynamic of how you could do anything. Like you could have a video done and ready to go. It's edited, you got your title, you got your thumbnail, It's up, but you're waiting for approval. And what happens when that approval doesn't come for 24 hours or 48 hours or a week and you can't publish that video? Yes, you can handle all of that in contracts. Again, now you're dealing with attorneys and agreements and all of that stuff. But there is that sort of dynamic of when you're doing everything for yourself, you have full control when, 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 when you guys are ready to publish, if there's no sponsor, you know, you're publishing. Yeah. You're not waiting on anybody. Yeah. If, if, if you feel like Monday is better than Tuesday, it's going to go on Monday. If you want it to go on Wednesday, you're not answering to anyone. 
once you start bringing in other parties, there is there is more of that. There is like back and forth. And what happens when you get feedback from a sponsor that's telling you, well, I want to change this part. And where do you draw the line? Like personally, like, no, like I'm not willing to do that or I'm willing to do that. So there is there is a lot of that. And it, it so it's simpler not to do it. But on the other hand, it's a significant revenue stream. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's good to do it. Um, for your question of like what's next, there are a few things that I'm looking at potentially doing um one of the things that i've always sort of thought i should do was create a couple of like photography and video courses um and it's one of those things where you need to invest a lot of time up front but then it sort of sits there quite passive can get you uh yeah passive-ish right like it is passive at Mm. that point um so that's something that i've considered doing i just haven't done it um i think this year um is still focused on growing like the YouTube community. And again, I'm literally like the subscriber number is great because it's it's one metric that sort of gives you, okay, overall people like what I'm doing. Um, but it's the consistent viewership that I'm interested in more. Mm. Uh, to, to go full circle, because when you talk to sponsors, when you talk to sponsors who are knowledgeable, they shouldn't care about how many subscribers you have. What do I care? If I know your next video is going to get 200,000 views, well, what do I care how many subscribers you have? I don't care if you have 10,000 or 2 million. It's still getting 200,000 views. However, some sponsors sort of look at your subscriber number as the, because it's like the lowest hanging fruit to look Mm. at. Um, But when you're having conversation with brands, it shouldn't, it's like about trust and right, like you're building a community and they're getting more from you than just the views. Yeah. There, this is not pay per click on on Google. Like they're asking you to endorse something to an audience that you spent years building. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, that's a great point. So. That's a very great point. Uh, and I think a lot of sponsors don't understand that. Then they also don't look at views yeah. as as their primary uh, you know target. It's always about subscribers which doesn't make a lot of sense because there's plenty of huge channels that have sort of fallen off and they're not getting views. And similarly, there's a bunch of small channels that are, you know, hitting the mark pretty consistently, but they're just not growing that fast. Absolutely. And that's sort of the, that's why like, if I can get a sponsor on the phone, I'll get a sponsor on the phone because, Mm -hmm. and this is sort of my, the the spot, the issue that I see is some brands are still treating YouTube like traditional marketing. So they just haven't learned about like this paradigm shift. So yes, if you're only looking, right? So like if you're talking about impressions and like if you're looking at pay-per-click and trying to apply that logic, it's like it would be almost like a brand asking you, well, how many impressions did your video get? Like, what do you care? Like, it's like it didn't get views. Like, did they click or did they not? Cl- right. Like there are so many other layers. And like, did you can like ultimately did you convert? Like what was what was the uh, what was the goal of this campaign? Was it awareness? Was it sales? Um, there's like so many layers that I feel like email is not ideal for that because it's like it's too slow. And 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 like a, I feel like a 10 minute conversation, a five minute conversation is like. 20 emails going back and forth. Like, let's just, 
I, yeah, I know it's 2022, but let's jump on a call and yeah. and talk this out. Completely agree. I have, I've only had a few calls, but they've all, all been so much better than emails. And, you know, Alex and I are both self-employed outside of YouTube as well. And, uh, you know, it, it's, it's, it's a cliche, but it's, it's just the truth. There's so much that, it, that goes lost in translation when you're trying to put it in writing. And it's so much easier to just talk to somebody, especially if you can see them yes. too. Yes. And like, and hear them and, and, and like feel how they're delivering something. Um, I always, like, I tell people that like about email and text, like, cause it happens all the time, right? Nobody reads your email or text in your voice. They're no. always reading it in their voice with their tone, every single thing. So it's like when you read something, you got to read it like a robot. Like that, that's the best case scenario is that they read it neutral, right? Like, especially if it's sort of like if they feel like there's something adversarial about mm. the relationship. Whereas like if you have a conversation or if you could see someone and they're smiling and that like that's just completely different. Yeah, so, yeah you know, it's too bad for, for people that are just uh, listening to the audio version. But I, I guarantee you there's a lot of nodding going on here. <laughs> a lot of agreeing. <laughs> yes. Um, as part of our kind of tradition here on this podcast, we started to ask all our guests to share with the world a creator where, you know, he or she sort of caught your eye. Um, in, in recent times that you just think they deserve um, a, a few more eyes. So, yeah, this is kind of a bit of a shout out a bit before you okay. then go on to kind of share uh, where, where to find you. Someone who I think has always like has been underrated as his channel's topic, Ruben. Oh, I, yeah. Uh, yeah. I think just puts out such good quality stuff and like it's such a good human. It's so easy and to like watch. And like the video quality is amazing. I yeah. know. I like, I can just sit and listen to him talk about, well, I do just sit there and listen to him talk about whatever. Yeah. There is like not necessarily consistency there, but I feel like he creates really good content that's like easy to consume and probably doesn't get the views that, that he deserves. I, I remember you um, tweeting about yeah, this actually quite quite a while ago, might be a year ago or something. And I was like, yes, Ruben, because, you know, he always uh, comments on my tweets for some reason. And I checked him out and he's such a nice guy. Such a, such a good yeah, person. Is, yes. yeah. There's so much culture that he shares and stuff about music and food. Yeah, he's, he's a lovely person. I'd love to meet That's him. It's amazing yeah. how he ties it all together. Yeah. Like, and, and like, I feel like, like his storytelling is like next level and that's the that's one of the things where i look at videos and i'm like wow like that is a skill set like outside like it's completely separate from the production value it's like to be able to craft a story and all right so this is super like i'm nerding out here (laughs) but like the fact that you look at his videos and they are he's telling a story from multiple angles, multiple locations, but they're not sequential. Like, like he might start in this chair, go out here, go out here, go back to the chair, and like, but yet the story is linear. But I, then yeah. I look at it, I'm like, oh my god, that is so good. <laughs> yeah, I, I feel so, quite anxious even to think about that because all I can think about is if I spend oh my three seconds to say something someone has clicked off and yeah to to be able to have that freedom and not care and just produce that amazing quality that he does yeah it's i do envy it so yeah thanks for that thanks for the shout out that was my one out of the blue definitely need to make sure that ruben listens to this podcast (laughs) oh absolutely fanboying over ruben here 
Yeah. <laughs> what what I wanted to ask you is what we what we ask other guests as well is is a bit corny, but it's something that we are just uh, interested in. Is um, so where do you see yourself going next? And I want to chop that up into two pieces. Basically, what's your main goal for 2022 for the channel, and then what's your where do you see yourself and the channel go in the next five years? Okay. All right. So I uh, let me start at the beginning. So like my goals for YouTube have always been. Um, like numbers, number of videos produced like that. When I look at that number, because I feel like there is something sort of undeniable about that. Like when you look at someone and they made a thousand videos, you're like a thousand videos. Like that is like, we know what it takes to make a video and for someone to have gone through that. So, um, those are sort of the benchmarks that I look at. And so I think the next one, I think I'm at around 350. So 400 will be cool. 450 would be awesome. If I could do, if I could get to 450 this year, that would be cool. So that's sort of like, kind of like a, uh, like, like I, I also like to gamify stuff. So for me, like that would be sort of an arbitrary, but like a, like something to reach mm. for. Um, and it, you know, aside from like, like I said, like growing the channel in terms of, of, uh, like the topics that I'm reaching and the brands that I cover, that's sort of like overarching, but like sort of a more concrete goal. And then in the future, I could see having at least one more channel, like at least like I might need to be at like a food channel coming soon. Sandwiches. Maybe very soon. (laughs) Like You heard it here first, uh, guys. There you go. Just saying. It's very possible. Nice. should test the waters on Instagram. Yep. I mean, so like like Instagram or even shorts and like repurposing that content on TikTok. Um, but I've had like a lot of ideas, uh, and I love food. Like I've, I've always loved it. Like when I, when we started my first business, like I used to work at restaurants, like while I was like coding like all day and then working at restaurants and I tell so, like, I love food and wine and learning about food. And I always have. So like, I feel like that's something that is, is a passion. And it's also like so different from tech that it would break up like the sort of monotony of just tech. Cool. It's been a great conversation, Sagi. And yeah, where, where do people find you? Obviously, Tech Gear Talk on YouTube, but do you have a website or is that your main? Just go there and you you find everything in there. So I'm Tech Gear Talk on all the socials. There is also a website that's techgeartalk.com, uh, which I, I haven't really updated uh, in a very long time, but it's up there. But yeah, normally just tech your talk on any social. Awesome. And also, thank you so much. Like this was this was so much fun. Oh, it's it's been a yeah, we could talk for hours. Clearly, and, and, um, <laughs> we have to restrain ourselves to to cut it. <laughs> we need to invite you back very soon. Yeah, happy to come back um, again. <laughs> you guys right. are great. Good questions. Helped me through it. I appreciate it. <laughs> thank you. All right. Cheers, guys. <laughs>